Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. All right, you know, uh, people have a lot of different ways of celebrating Christmas. A lot of different traditions that they keep. A lot of different ideas about what makes uh, the perfect gift. Um, in all of the hoopla and all of the festivities, it, it can be easy to miss the gift we're talking about uh, today. And we don't want to miss this gift. And Amber Drew's gonna, gonna help us not miss the gift of, of love today. She has been thinking and praying and studying about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And she's come out on the other side of all that thinking and praying and studying, believing. And this morning she's going to take the step of coming up and sharing her story with you uh, about how she came to faith in Christ. And she's going to be baptized in obedience to him. That's, that's why we do it. We baptize because Jesus told us to. He said, go into all the nations and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you do that to show that you're a follower of what he has said, what, who he is and, and what he has said. Uh, so ba- baptism is, is, a, is an outward sign of something that's going on on the inside of us. And when we, when we take part in it, there's a lot of symbolism in baptism. Um, there's uh, the symbolism that look, it points us to Jesus, his death and, and his resurrection. So when, when she enters the water, it's like Jesus up on the cross. And then when she goes under the water, it's like Jesus being buried in the tomb. And when, when she comes out raised to new life, it's like Jesus rising from the dead. This is a testimony that our Savior has died for our sins and lives calling us to believe in him. So today, salvation has come into Amber's life. Her salvation is complete. Jesus has done all of the work necessary for her to live with him forever. And she's trusting in that uh, to, to be saved. So Amber, would you come on up and, and share with us your story? Get you a microphone here. You don't want to share this one, do you? No. I didn't. I didn't think so. My name is Amber Drew, and here's some of my story. I grew up hearing about God and Jesus with some Christian influence for probably as long as I can remember. In middle school, I was having some mental and emotional struggles, and I was diagnosed with high-functioning autism, also known as Asperger's. Asperger's for me has symptoms such as OCD-like behaviors and obsessions. My counselor and I decided to call my obsessive thoughts Man Ray, inspired by the villain character on Spongebob Squarepants. Man Ray eventually decided to go after my thoughts of the Bible. I had the ability to rise above Man Ray because they are my thoughts, but I had a hard time sitting with uncertainty. 
I was stuck on the rules of the Bible. I wondered why God would want me to live so strict. I didn't feel free. In the midst of my misery, there were people who cared about me, and, and I received love. One day, someone I was messaging with on Snapchat told me to read Galatians 5, which in verse 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. That verse contains such good news. When I was younger, I, I was saved at a summer camp. I'm not sure what or how much that meant to me back then. When I got older, I thought I was saved again at Twin Lakes Winter Camp. I don't remember what age I was, but I was in middle school. In the earlier statements, I put the word saved in parentheses because I don't know exactly when I was saved. What I do know is that my life without God have, would have no actual purpose or true value. Um, I still struggle with things mentioned earlier, and there are things I don't understand. That's why trust is an important factor. I recognize that God doesn't want me to be stressed and worried about him. Jesus even says in Matthew that his burden is light. His love and forgiveness is bigger than my problems. God has put people in my life who care and love me. He has cared for he sorry. He has cared and helped me through others. This is one way God shows his love for me. Jesus died to cover my sins. His love is perfect and I'm glad to have it in my life. Jesus himself was baptized, and by doing this I am following his example. I am publicly showing that Jesus Christ is my Isn't that a beautiful love story? Jesus saves. I'm excited for Amber and her story that she'll have to tell for the rest of her life. And uh, excited to help her express her faith to you. She's helping us open this gift today. The gift of, of love. You know, God's love can be a familiar concept to us. You know, many of us know John 3.16. Many of us can recite those words from memory. Um, and that uh, can be uh, the deterrent to, re- to receiving this gift. I mean, this is the 51st time I've celebrated the love of God through Jesus Christ given at Christmas. How do we overcome our familiarity with the love, of, uh, with the love that God has for us? Well, it's not easy. Um, we need the help of the helper, the Holy Spirit. But I believe if we take our time, if we go step by step, step by step through opening this gift, that we can come out on the other side, uh, opening God's love anew, just and receive it, just like Amber is, you know, right now in, in her life. So I'm going to give you some step by step instructions on how to unwrap a present, and that way you'll be totally prepared on Christmas morning, just so you have all the instructions you need. And then hopefully while you're unwrapping those presents, you'll have a reminder of how much God loves you. So step one is to read the from to label. So John 3.16, it said that God so loved the world. And we know that to mean that's all people for all time, everywhere, all over the place. Anybody that has ever been born, God so loved the world. But somewhere long ago... When God thought up this plan to bring people to himself, he didn't look at the globe. He didn't look at people groups. He saw individuals. Individuals with faces and names. 
He saw you. He saw you. The gift of love has a from to label on it that says from God to Greg. From God to Barb. From God to John. From God to Larry. (laughs) There's a from to label on this gift of love. Pastor Shane, even though you called my Christmas tree a fake, God still loves you. Melissa, God loves you. Jenny, God loves you. He loves you. God's love is a personal love. He's not distant. He knows what's going on in our lives. Remember the shepherds out in the fields, angels busting through their sky, disturbing their work there, you know, watching the, watching the, the flock in, in the fields. And they tell them Jesus was born. And this, this greatest news, this gift of God's love has been given. And then they were given this step to go and see if what the angels said was true. And so they went into Bethlehem on a search. And when they found the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, just like they'd been told out in the fields, they knew they had a personal experience with God's love. They would know that he sent a message to them. That it wasn't a dream, it wasn't a figment of their imagination. Angels really did this. And it is true. And so what they said was true. And remember, these are shepherds. They're the the low people in society. And God spoke to them first. They would know from that message that God loved them. Simeon. He was an elderly man that we read about in Luke chapter 2. And his story always reminds me of God's personal love. I want to read it to you. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus... To do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. So Simeon's story, it's just this... It's just this message of God's personal love for us. I mean, here is this elderly man who's, who's devout. He loves God. And he's, he's longing for the Messiah to come. He's longing to see God's promises enacted and his people rescued. And God reveals to him the exact time and place he needed to be to cross paths with the baby Jesus. I mean, he, he could have, you know, woke him up in the middle of the night like he did the shepherds, right? I mean, he, he could have said, hey, hey, Simeon, you need to get into Bethlehem and find this baby. But he didn't. He just let Simeon go to the temple and hear Jesus' name being spoken there and see his dedication to the Lord. And his poem of praise reveals what his heart now knows, that God loves him. Simeon. Simeon is loved by God. He personally experienced it. For God so loved the world that he gave us a gift of love, labeled from God to Zach, 
from God to Lori, from God to Kaylin. It's a, it's a from to label. Have you experienced God's love in a personal way like that? Have you read the from to label recently? You know, it still happens today. Many years ago, seems like many years ago, maybe it wasn't. We participated, our family participated in a homeschool co-op where we'd get together every week with other families and they'd help us get through homeschooling, uh, specifically the high school years for us. And so one Monday morning as the kids and Lori were getting ready to leave the house, um, Lori turned and she said, hey, I just want to remind you that our quarterly fees for the co-op are due. And I said to her, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. God will provide for us. He knows what we need. And then she walked out the door. When she closed the door, I kind of scoffed. And I mockingly said, yeah, right. God knows what we need, sure. And then I got myself ready and went on to do my job as a pastor of a church. So I, I got to church and uh, I walked in my office. And on my computer screen was taped a card. Now, I'm not lying to you here. This is Coke bottle. This is, this is Coke bottle worthy. So the card is taped on my screen. It says, to Greg and Lori. I open the card up, and it says, from we who care, and there's a $1,000 money order in it. And I, I just praise God. I cried. I laughed. Even when I didn't have the faith to believe that he provides, that he is good, that he knows our needs, that he knows what's going on in our life, he knows, and he provided his personal love. It still, it still happens today. His love is personal. He knows us. He knows our name. He knows what you're going through. He knows all of that. And we need to not miss that at Christmas. Especially at Christmas as we celebrate every year and we look at the manger. Now, last week I was reminded of uh, a song that uh, is sung a lot in Sunday school. Uh, at least it was back in the day. So this is really a, a, a song that, that it, it's a label song. It's a from to label for us. And I'm going to do something kind of risky and I'm going to lead you in this song. Okay. So, uh, channel your inner, your inner child and join me in singing this song. You'll pick it up quick if you don't know it. It's a personal kind of love. You know, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? You get God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Opening this gift of God's love begins by knowing that that label is on there. It's from God to you. You fill in the blank on that slide. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. God's love is personal. That's step one. Step two is to take off the bow. There's a bow on this gift from God that should shows us that his love is not only personal, but it's also passionate. It's a passionate kind of love. You know, the bow gives a present, it's, it's pizzazz, right? It's, it's extravagance. 
There's a bow on this gift. Words of John 3.16 in the NLT, they, they emphasize this. For God loved the world so much, so much, that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 that goes, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know that, that that's a gift prophecy. Well, that ends with the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In the NLT, it says the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. That is passion. Passion. His love is passionate for you. So it is true. If you were the only one that needed a savior, he still would have sent his son to come and do what he needed to do. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. When was the last time someone delighted in you? When was the last time somebody sang a joyful song over you? I mean, this is, this is an overwhelming thought, isn't it? I mean, some of us may have not been delighted in since we were kids. Maybe since the crib. And we look back and go, well, I understand why. It's a powerful thought that God would do this, that he feels about us this way. See, his love for us is not a have-to kind of love. It's like, oh, great, i got to love this person today. You're not hard to love to him. There's this universal truth about people. Everybody, no matter who they are, is insecure. Everybody. So we look at ourselves and we, we start comparing ourselves to everybody. It's a natural thing that we do. We do it all the time. And what happens is, what we, what we do is we see other people and then we don't measure up. You know, it's, it's like uh, in Daniel. I've, I've been weighed, I've been measured, I've been found wanting. Those words are all the time going around in our head. And so what, what do we do? With these insecurities. I mean, we, we see somebody and they go, oh, I'm just not as pretty as that person. Or I never have the right things to say at the right time like my neighbor does, that kind neighbor. Or I don't have a cool job or a, an awesome car. Or I don't have all these creative ideas. I'm just not really that good of a person. And then we throw in social media into the mix and we really blow things up. I mean, that's just feeding your insecurity if you didn't know it. To compensate for our insecurities, we'll do a couple of things. And in fact, it's actually like fight or flight. Okay, some of us will retreat from people and we'll become a wallflower. We'll hide in the shadows so that we don't have to get put out there and be measured up. We never attempt anything, never try anything because we don't want to fail and feel that judgment. And then the others of us, we will go to the opposite extreme and we will run to the front. We will go wherever the spotlight is and we will get there and say, look at me, I'm super. I'm really not as bad as I feel. Both of those things are the wrong reaction to our insecurities. And we do it all the time. How do we overcome that? God's love. 
God's love heals the wounds of our insecurities that we have about ourselves. I want to tell you something. You are not enough. You're not enough. You never will be. It doesn't matter how great everyone says you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how well you live your life. It doesn't matter how loving you are. You are not enough. But Jesus is. He is enough. And when we can receive his love, it heals those wounds of our insecurities. It does. This, in, in context, Zephaniah, it's, it's a whole book directed at the people of Judah. And they're speaking, it's speaking about the day of the Lord and this future judgment and, and a future conversion and redemption of God's people. So the book's a prophetic message that tells about the coming of the Lord when he comes again. And then the promise, it tells us that the promises of God are going to be fulfilled. And so Zephaniah 3.17, it's one of those promises. But in the meantime, while we wait... For that day that's going to come, we can read this verse and we can understand this is how God feels about his people. This is how he feels. He has a passionate love. He delights in you so much, he sings a song over you. Not other people. Not angels. God Almighty is singing a song over you. Now, we don't often get sung to these days. But there is a time in, in your life that the potential for you to be sung over is really high, and it comes around every single year. Who's had a birthday recently? Zach! Hey, Zach, would you mind standing up a second? <laughs> Zach, I don't know if you were sung over on your birthday, but we're going to do it right now. Let's sing happy birthday. Let's sing happy birthday to, to Zach. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Zach. Happy birthday to you. Thank you for enduring that. What? Yes, she did. Yes, but... She specifically asked me not to ask her to stand up, so. <laughs> How does it feel to be sung over? It's kind of hard, isn't it? Tanya's got one coming up. Yeah, we can do it next week. How does it feel? It's kind of embarrassing a little bit, you know, to be, to be sung over. God is singing that kind of a song over you. What would the words be of his song? What would the melody be? You know, I think we would much rather be the singers than the singy. I don't know if that works or not. How does it feel to do the singing? Pretty great, doesn't it? That's how God's feeling about you. He's rejoicing over you with a joyful song. His love is passionate. And you can see it in the bow on his present. So step one, to open the gift, read the from to label. Step two, take off the bow. Step three, tear off the wrapping paper. Now, as I said, I'm a big fan of wrapping up all the presents under the tree, but I'm 
Not a big fan of doing any rapping. And all of that is because I really stink at rapping a present. You know, it's like golf. You know, I cannot figure it out. I mean, I've got paper. I've got a box. It's square. It's not got angles. And I can't make it look good. But I have discovered a secret. So long as I have plenty of wrapping paper and get the box covered, usually people don't care how it looks. And so that's my my goal. Get the thing covered, just use lots of paper. Well, God's love is kind of like that. God's love is plentiful. And it will cover all the areas of our life. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to 19. Paul is writing about his desire for the Ephesians to grasp God's love. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, those lots of meaning in those words. We could spend a lot of time just meditating on those. But it sounds like Paul has God's heart. And he wants us to get God's love. He wants us to understand all of the dimensions to it. And he mentions four dimensions there. How, how long and how wide, how high and how, how deep God's love really is. So it, it's plentiful. It's plentiful to cover all of our life. It's more than we can imagine. More than we can understand. God's love is wide enough. It's wide enough to reach out to all the people in the world for all time. It is, it is wide enough to reach all the way back in the past and all the way into the future. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There isn't one person who wouldn't be covered by his love if they would turn to him. Not one person. God's love is long. Long enough to reach back into your past and to forgive anything that you've ever done. Anything. No matter how bad it was, no matter how hurtful it was, he can redeem it. That's God's love. It's that long. And it can reach any person. Any person who is so far away from God, who doesn't even believe he's there, who you'd be so shocked if they turned around and came to him. God's love's that long. No one is outside his reach. God's love is high. Higher than we can understand. You know, we look around at our world and we say, where is God's love? We see suffering. We see sickness, injustice, crime, violence. Everywhere we look, it seems, you know, there, where, how could a God of love be over this mess? But he is. It's high. Higher than we can understand. And it's deep. God's love is deep. It is deep enough to go down into the deepest parts of your hearts where pain doesn't seem to go away and to comfort you there. To be with you there. It's deep. It's deep enough to satisfy the deepest craving that you have in your heart for things of this world. He will truly satisfy it. It's deep. It covers all the dimensions of our life. 
Do you know how, how this love gets poured out? Do you know how it comes to us? Through his people. God uses his people to dispense his love. Jack was a CEO of a big corporation. But when he got cancer, they fired him. And so he was left to go through all of his treatments kind of on his own with his family. He went through all of his insurance, went through all of his life savings. He had nothing left and it didn't help. So a pastor and an elder went over to see Jack and the elder said, Hey Jack, you speak so openly about what brief time you have left here on earth. Are you ready for what's going to happen after you leave? Well, Jack, he got mad. He got livid with rage. He stands up and says, you blankety-blank Christians, all you care about is what's going to happen to me after I die. What about now? What about the real problems of life? I'm leaving my wife penniless and my daughter without any college tuition. What about that? And then he said, get out of my house. So they left. Well, a little bit later on in the week, the elder called the pastor and he said, I want to go back and visit Jack. And so they went back. And Jack let him in. And the first thing that the elder said was, Hey, I want to apologize. I offended you last time. But I, I want you to know something. I've been, I've been at work since we left you last time. You mentioned the problems that you have, leaving your family here without any, any support. And I, I went to a realtor in my church, and they're, they're willing to sell your house for you and give your wife the commission. I went down the street to an apartment complex and the owner there is willing to give you a three-bedroom, give her a three-bedroom apartment for nothing, for utilities, and to give her an $850 a month salary just for collecting rents and supervising repairs. The money from the sale of your house should pay for your daughter's college. Jack, I just want you to know that your family is going to be cared for. Well, that's too much for Jack. I mean, he just started bawling, crying, and it was a different kind of parting. He died shortly shortly after that, so wrapped up in pain, he never trusted in Christ as a Savior, but his wife, his wife was overwhelmed by the love that came from these Christians, and she responded to Jesus in his offer of salvation. She opened the gift of love. Now, that's what I'm talking about. That right there is what I'm talking about. I mean, God uses his people to dispense his love. It's so much, he needs an army to dispense it. People who have personally experienced that love. People who will see other people in their life who have needs, who are hurting, who are hungry, who are homeless, who are sick, who are dying. He sends people like us to people like them to show his love for people. That's what he calls us to do. You know, I have no doubt that today you're going to have an opportunity to do it. You're going to go somewhere today and God is going to give you eyes to see and there's going to be a chance he's going to say, love them. Love them. In fact, I can guarantee you when you go to Westminster to go caroling today at 415 over there in the lobby, you're going to have a chance to love on some people there. We're going to be singing truths and making them bounce off the walls at Westminster. Come and show some love. It's good. We're conduits. God's love is personal. 
His love is passionate and it's plentiful. And there's one more. His love is priceless. The last step to open in the gift is to open up the box. To open up the box, to, to look inside and, and experience the, being the recipient of someone's expression of love to you. Of a powerful truth of this gift that we're opening today. And this is the part you cannot miss, is that when you open the gift that God has given you today, what you find in the box is God himself. God himself. John 3.16, for God sent his only son. Jesus is in the box. Why was he sent? John 3.17 says, God didn't send the world, uh, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. How was it, how was the salvation accomplished through Jesus? Through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the grave. So it would be good if we just say, you know what, let's look, let's understand what's in the box. Oh, better yet, let's understand who is in the box. He is, he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is the bread of life, the good shepherd, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the light of the world, the Savior, our friend, our Redeemer. He is the all-sufficient sacrifice for sin. He is the great High Priest, and He is the great I Am. That's who's in the box. And that's what we cannot miss. The value of what God has given to us. We don't want to unwrap the most priceless gift ever given and just play with the box. We don't want to do that. God's love is priceless. Jesus said there is no greater love that a man has than to lay down his life for his friends. You know when Jesus first did that? Not at the cross, but at Christmas. He left his position He left his power and his glory and his authority and he put himself in the box of humanity. He became a servant. He put himself in our world, sent by God to each one of us personally with a lot of passion, this big, beautiful bow and plenty of love to cover all the dimensions of our life. Now that priceless gift that God gave Jesus, he followed God's plan and died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He never sinned. He wasn't murdered for anything he ever did. He was murdered because of things that we do. And God gave everything. Why? So he could have you. Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable there. This is the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who's in search of fine pearls. And when he finds a pearl of great price, he gives away everything he has so that he can have that pearl. And I think often we understand that parable to mean that, you know, we are the merchant. And we, when we find the pearl of great price in Jesus, we will give up all of our old life so that we can have that. And you know what? There's some truth in that, but I don't believe that's what Jesus was trying to communicate. He was speaking to his disciples with this parable. 
God is the merchant. And he is the one in search of fine pearls. People. And he gave up everything. His son. So that he could have you. This parable is about God's love for people. His priceless love. Have you opened the gift? Have you received God's love in your life in a personal way? By faith in Christ. Amber, she, she has. And it's leading her to be baptized today. And, and as she does that, she's showing to all of us that what's going on in her heart is new and real and beautiful. It's a witness to all of you that she's trusting in Jesus for her salvation. And it begs the question today, have you believed in Jesus? Have you accepted him into your life? How do you know? Well, you've opened that box up and you saw that God himself died for you. And you said, come in. There's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do to make up for my, my stuff. I need Jesus. And when you say those words to God... He comes into your life and you will be born again. So listen, don't just hear John 3.16 today and go, yeah, I know about God's love. Don't just play with the box of religion. Receive the gift. Receive it today. Don't wait. Don't wait for Christmas. Receive it today. Worship team, come on back up. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we rejoice We rejoice in new life, in your great salvation, in what you have done for us. We thank you for Amber and her courage to stand before your people and to share her testimony. Bless her life now, Lord. She gets to go and do life with you. And Lord, I I pray for those here um, who have heard about your love today, who, who have not received it into their life. I pray, Lord, you'd open their eyes and to open their hearts and give them the grace to to be able to receive you into their life, believing in you for forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. You are good. You love us so much. And we thank you for that love and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Now God's people said, Amen. Amen.